Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Soul Alignment Podcast. We are so, so insanely excited to finally have Hallie Miraglada on today. It's been a long time coming in our planning, but we're finally all here together. So thank you so much for being here, Hallie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. How are you? Oh my gosh, great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having a chat with me. <laughs> oh my God, we're so happy we finally got it to work out with everyone's schedule. Yes, it was worth the effort. Yeah, long <laughs> time coming, but here we are. So Hallie is a yoga master, instructor, prenatal yoga instructor, birth doula, Ayurvedic practitioner, and now a fellow podcaster. Did I put anything, Hallie? (laughs) You covered it really well. (laughs) Okay, good. You're so many things. And side note, one of my favorite yoga instructors in Chicago. So if anybody in Chicago is listening and looking for some guidance, she is a wonderful instructor to link up with. Thanks. Um, So... Well, first and foremost, kind of just want to touch on your new podcast. It's called Home Practice with Hallie, Yoga Tools for Every Body. Can you tell us just about, just quickly about like how that's been going? Yeah, that's also been a long time coming. I, for like a year, was trying to figure out what platform I wanted to use to share tools of yoga that were just really accessible, that people could do at home, that you didn't need to go to a studio for and finally kind of did a podcast and I have just finished episode seven and it's going pretty well. I'm kind of new to the podcasting world, but my focus is really trying to bring more subtle techniques of yoga, like things you might not get to do in a one hour class, like, you know, alternate nostril breathing or hand and exercises or just like low back care that's really slow and really purposeful. Um, So that's kind of my mission with it. And I'm excited to keep it up. Do you have any podcasting advice since veteran podcasters than I? (laughs) Oh, boy, I wouldn't even consider us veteran. First of all, I mean, you have about as many episodes as we do. So we're like slowly climbing up this ladder in the podcast world. But um, it's a journey, isn't it, Cass? Yes, I would say it's definitely a journey. And you just keep taking a step forward. I don't know if I have any advice aside from just keep engaging it. Right. It's a learning process. Yeah, just keep keep on pushing. Well, congratulations. And why did you choose a podcast ultimately for like for spreading this like home practice idea? That's such a good question. I toyed with doing a video series or something like that for a while, but I feel like yoga already has a lot of stereotypes about like what yoga looks like and I thought that if you don't see someone doing yoga who looks like you in like all these videos and instructional things you might think that it's not for you and so I felt like just doing a podcast was an interesting way of engaging with like tuning your listening muscle a little bit and giving you the space for it to be really like your practice, you know? Yeah, yeah. And taking away from like that comparison and contrast of looking around to see what else is happening and instead really calibrating just within yourself and kind of letting go of that sense of like, oh my gosh, is this right? Is this wrong? And instead just, you know, checking out like, wow, am I breathing as I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing here? And like, how do I be more present? Right. Um, And I kind of like something about podcasting to me. It's so like, it reminds me of radio. It just feels old fashioned in a world that's very like technologically forward. You know, something about it just feels nice to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Um, 
And in addition, what's interesting about that is like how you mentioned exercising that like listening portion of the practice, right? Mm -hmm. And that's such an interesting thing to bring up just because like from a student and a teacher perspective, it is a lot of listening, you know? And like, especially when your instructor is like giving a lot to the practice in terms of like cues um, and, you know, your physical placement and alignment like within the room and on your mat or like in space you know like it's a ton of listening and so I think it's really awesome like in a podcast form because that's all you have like that's all you can do so I love that idea Mm, good thanks let me know what you think of it yeah okay so let's jump into Ayurveda because that's going to kind of be the focus of this podcast so just we'll just jump right in as much as um like i'd love to dig into all of your different journeys of all the wonderful things that you do tell us a little bit about how you like how you journeyed into ayurveda yeah well first of all do should we talk about what ayurveda is yeah yeah let's do that go for it okay so well i guess they kind of are so linked together i have always been really interested in this is going to sound maybe too philosophical but just like the different systems people have come up with over time to ease human suffering and like some of those are you know things like yoga some of those are things like meditation some of those are like you know i think medicine generally kind of evolved out of a sense of wanting to alleviate human suffering so you know i was like i studied philosophy in college i was always really interested in like what is the good life like how do humans you know interact with the world around them so like that's kind of always been a curiosity of mine um i was a student of you know yoga I think I was introduced to Ayurveda generally in my first yoga teacher training. And um, it wasn't really until I did my prenatal yoga teacher training actually with Amala prenatal yoga here in Chicago. They are wonderful. Um, But they really used and framed a lot of things through the lens of Ayurveda. So that's when I got more interested in it. And Ayurveda basically is a toolbox for coming into greater harmony, greater alignment within yourself, within your external environment. Um, So I wanted to study Ayurveda just kind of on a personal level to see if, you know, anything would shift or anything would change, if if it would complement my yoga practice, if I could use it within the classroom, within teaching yoga, Um, just kind of motivated from a sense of curiosity because I was already really motivated by, you know, philosophy already really connected to like local food system and like food and health and wellness. So it just, I think it found me, it was kind of a natural evolution um, from what I was already doing. Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. And I was just listening to your um, podcast with Cassandra Eldridge. Is that her last name? Yes. Um, On the Calm Collective. And um, one thing that I remember you guys talking about is how like big things like that kind of just like end up finding everyone. And I love that Hallie, you literally just said that, you know, that was just like, it kind of fell into your whole journey perfectly, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, and I feel that way too, with some of these like older, really all encompassing, you know, models that have been around for thousands of years, they do kind of find you because as you dig into that more holistic healing, it's like, wow, this is really like a cornerstone Um, a study of like, how how do we as human beings, you know, with these different body types and these different energies, we're all so different, but we also have these commonalities, like how do we all 
find health because it's not going to be the same for me as it is for you as it is for you you know yeah exactly and that is really like the wisdom of ayurveda um obviously so i feel like we always need to say this before talking about ayurveda and naturopathic medicine or at least i do feel like it yeah shout out to modern medicine like obviously these are things that are you know you can take on in your own lifestyle that are helpful for just maintaining high levels of general health and wellness. So it's not like in competition with modern medicine, right? It's a way of just kind of holistically attuning yourself to the world around you, to your environment. Um, so Ayurveda is this really person focused, like human focused branch of healing kind of in the system of yoga. So I love that you just said how personal it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and it's like when you think about like Ayurveda and all the other like forms of healing and wellness that we're talking about that, you know, we can source ourselves. It's like proactive in nature, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, yeah, we're trying to better our health without having to be sick first. Oh, I love that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly Beautiful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with yeah. Ayurveda, it's like, um, I look at it kind of as like, it's our, it's, it's the thing that supports our lifestyle. And, and like you said, Tess, like prevention and maintaining health. Whereas like modern medicine is much more, um, savvy at like, um, interventions that are, that are rapid and we need it right now. And like, it's something like surgeries or, you know, incredible yeah. innovations that we have that save lives. And I look at Ayurveda as like more of this, like supporting our lifestyles and prevention. Yeah, and it is in such a contrast sometimes with more like Western medicine because changes in Ayurvedic lifestyle can sometimes be super gradual. Like you might make dietary changes, but over the course of a year, you know, so it's not something that happens in like a week or two weeks. So it is definitely a something that requires a lot of participation from the practitioner, from the person who's seeking balance or lifestyle changes. Yeah, totally. I was just going to say, so for someone who like um, has never heard of it or or maybe has heard the word but doesn't know really what Ayurveda is, like what kind of what kind of like makes it makes up the underpinnings of Ayurveda? Like what are kind of like the cornerstones of that? Yeah, let's let's just talk a little bit about I'm going to just briefly mention like what even Ayurveda is and then we'll kind of start from there. So Perfect. we kind of touched on this already. Like Ayurveda is this really person focused healing branch of yoga. It's old. We don't know exactly how old it at least like 1500 before common era or what's considered the Vedic era. It comes from the country of India and like Indian philosophy and, um, the specific text, so there was like kind of medical and healing material scattered around the texts of the Vedas. Um, and then it was like collected and arranged in different texts. So if anyone's like super interested, they're called the Samhitas, which is like nature's medicine. Um, and there's a couple different classic texts named after these physicians, right? So this is like really old work, the Charaka and the Sushruta. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing those, but those are the main textbooks of Ayurveda. Um, so it's kind of old medicine, which is comprised of like internal medicine, um, herbs and dietary balance. It's formed off of a constitutional model, which 
recognizes, just like you were saying, Cass, that each individual is different. And so there's not a one size fits all or one shape fits all um, road to healing, but that we have to take into consideration where people are in order to make slow lifestyle changes toward balance. Um, I think I would say one of the cornerstones of it or something that's really been helpful for me in understanding Ayurveda is this idea of opposites in like nature and in life balancing each other. So if you are in a particular state, let's say if you're feeling really like lethargic <laughs> or really drowsy or really like lazy, you can apply the opposite of that to create a change. So like movement in that case would be applied to create a shift from lethargy. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, totally. Um, but that can work with any set of opposite. Like if you have a really heated personality, like I kind of am a, a little bit of a hothead, I guess, sometimes outside of yoga. Um, so applying like cooling techniques can be helpful if your mentality or your digestion is really hot. Um, I'm trying to think of other, other sets of opposites here, but applying the opposite can help bring into balance or applying the same as the state that you're already in increases that state. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Does that make like, sense? Totally. It's like increases like I've always heard. And yeah, I know, I know like sometimes, um, e like, so for instance, like for somebody who has more heat, like, even though like increases like, so if you're somebody who already has too much heat and you like may you might still love spicy food because it's familiar, like that energy is very familiar to you and comfortable to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you need. So it's interesting to yeah. really learn the depth of like what, where you're at so that you can, like you said, you can kind of go to the opposite energy or the opposite element of that to say, hmm, let me balance this back out. Even though I want to eat a bunch of spicy food, I actually might benefit more from like some mint water or yeah, <laughs> something exactly. like and of course, if you already are a hothead, you probably do love spicy food. Like that's some of my favorite cuisine. You know? <laughs> Funny because me too. I'm like yeah. a fire sign. Well, uh, Cassie and I are both fire signs. Are you a fire sign also, Hallie? No, I'm a water sign, but I'm a cusp Leo. So okay. right there kind of, I'm a cancer. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So Cassie's a Leo and I'm an Aries and I feel like I mean, that's why yoga is, I feel like, so good for me. And it feels so wonderful to, like, go to my mat every single time because it is balancing and it does bring me, like, back down, I feel like, a lot of the time. Um, yeah. But I definitely love spicy food. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's interesting in, like, for example, we're in – we're both – we're all three of us in the United States. So we're in, like, kind of Western culture. And, like, society is very, like, very hot, very go, 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 very, like, you know, busy. And, like, of course, what do people love? Like, hot, hot, hot yoga. Like, exactly the same <laughs> – exactly the same as their personality. It's very hard for people sometimes to slow down and to, like, maybe take a restorative yoga class or something that would – um, balance instead of kind of feed our natural like imbalance sometimes, which is really funny. That it took is, me a long time to realize that. Yeah, that is so interesting. That's very interesting. And um, I actually teach, so I teach a restorative class on Monday nights. It's like mm -hmm. one of the ones that I always teach. And it's actually the hardest for me to teach, which is really <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. That's probably why. What's hard for you about it? Um, getting slow, right? And like yeah. also not knowing that the point of it is to like help everyone get to that same point and 
not like allowing for quiet time, allowing for space and Mm -hmm. even like letting the time seem like it might be too long, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's natural. People are like really uncomfortable sometimes with stillness and there's so many distractions going on. Like there's always like, you know, noise in the background or like traffic outside or conversation, music, whatever. So when there is this kind of imposed state of like, wow, we all just have to practice breathing. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay here. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, as the teacher, that that sure is, that can be challenging sometimes because you see people's discomfort. And of course, when you see people getting uncomfortable, you want to like alleviate their discomfort. But sometimes the best way to do that is to like keep them uncomfortable, which is really hard. (laughs) Totally. I think that's the biggest point. So thank you for that. I probably really needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, okay. So how does Ayurveda connect to the practice of yoga specifically? Yeah, so this is such a good question. They both share a similar like era of origin, kind of that Vedic right. era, the Vedic texts, um, like the Upanishads and, you know, the different um like the different texts from that time, the the Vedas are the basis of both what we now have developed is like the yoga asana system. And then there's also this like sister science that developed as yoga or I'm sorry, as developed as Ayurveda. So I would say that there are some fundamental like Vedic truths that are shared across Ayurveda and um, like the principles that are in yoga, which are like ethical values, like truthfulness and humility and nonviolence and like living in harmony with nature. So they're very philosophically kind of joined and I think asana can be considered so asana here being like the physical postures that we tend to think of when we hear yoga but also including like breathing techniques and meditation um those skills can really be applied as tools within this practice of Ayurveda so you know we were just talking about like cooling versus heating like if you are if it's in the hot summer in you know Chicago or California or wherever you are and you want some cooling techniques you might do alternate nostril breathing but if it's like the middle of winter and it's negative 50 here for some reason or whatever <laughs> you might do a couple of bati breathing which is more like fiery so i think you can use the techniques of yoga as applications uh, within the like system of ayurveda right that makes sense yeah and i think ayurveda and yoga both recognize that if the like we all have bodies right like we're all stuck with it we have this like meat suit for till day (laughs) from day one till day the last and i think they both recognize that like if your human body your human form is suffering a lot it is really going to kind of feel like a huge obstacle toward achieving any type of higher goal you know and the purpose of like yoga or ayurveda is is wholeness is a sense of like freedom from ailment or dis-ease so I think that there is this um like they're they both have a contribution toward the ease of the physical body so that you can focus on like higher contributions to society sure Sure. such a beautiful point totally yeah Yeah. um that brings everything like in the whole wellness sphere you know like together and really makes you a reminder that like that that is like one of the biggest reasons we take care of ourselves, right? Like that's why we talk about taking care of yourself first and like loving yourself first so that you can like start to spread those types of things. 
Yeah, and it's like we need to also find other people who are trying to do that because it's super counterculture. Like we're just stuck at maybe work all day or you're seated or like it's you're the weird one if you stand up at the office and you're like stretching or like taking a break or something. But I think that there is something really powerful in just, you know, incorporating some techniques or some tools into your life that can create a small shift for you that can make that are a small investment that mean less work for you later because you're moving from like a, a place of wholeness you know absolutely totally um so let's let's move into talking about doshas so like cassie said if we're like if somebody is listening that's kind of totally new to ayurveda or having just have heard of it for the first time how can we talk about doshas and understand them? <laughs> oh, such a good question. I remember the first time I heard these, my mind was just like, I felt really silly. I was like, I don't understand anything that's being said right now. So I was like, how do I make this accessible? Um, and I think in order to talk about the doshas, you kind of have to talk about the gunas. Oh. A little bit. So there's this idea called the gunas, which are like these energies, these qualities that compose all of nature. And the doshas are kind of just reflections of that energy within the human form. So if we can see like qualities in nature and recognize them within ourselves, I feel like that's kind of the basis of like the dosha or the constitutional model. Can we go there? Can we try it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny. I have, (laughs) I've never even like, even in everything I've heard of Ayurveda, it's like not, I wouldn't even consider it new to me. I'm not an expert by any means, but I've never even heard of it. Of the, oh my gosh. Yeah. Gunas. Yeah. It's such a weird Guna. word. I had such a blockage against learning it for a long time. Cause <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't understand what's, what this word is. Um, but this was such a like game changer for me. This is one of the most important things that I feel like I've understood. So I want to try and share it, even though it like feels really nerdy and like, really like you got to dig in there. No, yeah, let's do let's it. Let's do it. So basically there's this idea of the gunas and it literally means what binds or like what kind of ties you. Um, But it's these three forces that are necessary in all ordinary activity, but they also exist in nature. And since humans are like, basically we're made of nature, they exist in humans too. So there's these three principles, these three gunas. One of them is this really like active power. You can think of it as like sun. You can think of it as like growth. You can think of it as happening in nature, like, you know, activity, like the hustle and the bustle. I feel like cities have a lot of this like busy, busy energy, right? And then you have a quality that's really like um, inert, like really in darkness. You can think of like a seed that's planted, right? There's like this quiet time. There's the energy of even like, you know, baby in the womb, like that really quiet, dark energy. And then there's this energy of light or like kind of love, I guess that permeates. So think of it as like a rope that's being braided. It's like these three different strands that kind of hold all of reality together. Are we kind of follow so far? Yeah. Okay. So, so for example, you know, the doshas in the human form is like bata, pitta and kappa, right? Correct. Okay, so the gunas have these really similar principles, these similar energies. So there's rajas, which is this principle of energy. It's active, it's stimulating, it initiates change, it disturbs like the old equilibrium. It's like power of imagination. Um, It's motivated, it's mobile, it's going places. It's like distraction, it's activity. 
okay, so it's like outward motion. It's mm-hmm. self-motivated. It's not good or bad. It's not like on a hierarchy with the other two. It's just all of those qualities. Okay. Okay. So then there's tamas, which is like the planted seed. It's the quality of dullness or darkness or inertia. It's like heavy. It's like sleep, right? It's necessary. It's not good or bad. It's just kind of heavy. It's downward mm-hmm. motion. Okay. Right? And then there's sattva, which is this quality of light, or it's like this kind of higher force that allows us to evolve in our consciousness. It lets us grow from the person that we were. It's like a quality of stability or harmony. Um, It's like the feeling of awakening of growth. Like when you have new understandings, it's intelligence. Um, And it's kind of how we learn to perceive truths. It's this quality of sattva, right? So there's these three qualities Mm -hmm. that kind of create all of nature. Okay. So I thought this was really useful for me in recognizing and having a new language for what I was seeing in the world around me. Like if you are feeling really low or quiet in the wintertime, it's like that feeling of hibernating. You can look out in nature and see that that isn't like a bad thing. It's just kind of what happens during this period of nature. But you have tools then for saying like, oh, this is just like that time, like the seed planted in which I'm doing that growing, doing that developing and you have tools to like nurture you and like feed the soil, so to speak. Um, and just have this new language for looking at your experiences through the energies that you've named that exist in nature. Mm-hmm, totally. I don't know. Does that sound really like juju and crazy? <laughs> no, that's no, that makes a lot of sense. And it's good to just think about even just those three energies. When we think about how important, like you said, like each are needed, not necessarily like on a hierarchy or one's better than the other. And it's interesting to kind of put them in our society because we do tend to, um, like you said, in the West, especially, or at least that's what I can speak to, like we go, go, go. And so we really value that, like, that like energy that is moving and pushing things forward and inertia and even down to like distraction. Right. And so, But we also need, you know, that downtime, that integration, that light period, all of these other things. It's interesting to think about this in like a yoga class, too, because you have like your savasana or your time of integration. You have your time Mm -hmm. of like active movement or stillness until light. Yeah, it's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And I think like we can look to nature for examples of this continuously, right? Like just because you know, flowers don't bloom the whole year. It doesn't mean they're like bad flowers. You know what I mean? Like there's a time <laughs> right. when you bloom and there's a time when like the petals fall and there's a time when it like kind of looks like it dies, but then it comes back again the next year at the same time sort of thing. So I think that is helpful. And it also informs our understanding of the doshas, which is what you were talking about. So the doshas are like the reflection of those energies within the human constitution. Um, so for example, and I know this is like so kind of abstract, but like everybody has a constitution. Would you say that you kind of agree with that? Like a specific constitution, a specific like unique self? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, was, I always think of my sister and I with this, like we're sisters. You'd think we'd be like kind of similar, but from the moment we were born, we were like really different. And we obviously have grown and changed a lot since we've been kids, but we're like also kind of the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Still like the more like mature critical thinking like artistic one and I'm very like bold and outspoken and a little bit more like you know physical games and stuff like that and that's kind of just like our constitution like for example so okay so there's three different main 
like energies that can be predominant within a human as their constitution. And this is what you were talking about. So these are the doshas, just like the gunas. One of them is probably predominant, but they all exist. Everyone has all of these energies within them. Right. Okay. So the three doshas are um, vata, which is basically like kind of the air sort of element. It's really like adaptable. It has certain qualities. Pitta is fiery. It's like very related to metabolic transformation, like digestion. Um, it's like heated. Kappa is kind of the more watery element. Um, it's like what makes up most of the bodily, bodily tissues. It's like a little bit heavier. Um, so the, all three of those doshas exist within all people at one time but one of them is usually predominant as someone it's called your prakriti like your fundamental nature your kind of unchanging constitution okay so what's the best way or like what do you recommend for somebody who's diving into this to figuring out your dosha for the first time yeah so I was looking up even before I, we called, um, just like what comes up on Google when you look this up. So there are like quizzes that you can take, which are obviously super fundamental, but it's kind of a fun intro. I looked up what the first three were and the first one was from Deepak Chopra and the second is from the Maharishi Ayurveda Institute and the third quiz is from Yoga International. All the quizzes are pretty similar. So I feel like that's one place you can start. Um, there are books too, like there's the book Yoga and Ayurveda by David Frowley that one has a little um, information about it but there's like different things you can like for example okay so vata types tend to maybe be like smaller or like really tall or like thinner with joints maybe pop a little bit or like the vein the, the veins are a little bit more exposed um, maybe it's harder to gain weight pizza types tend to be more like medium build, um, like kind of even weight, usually really strong digestion, like kind of can overheat easily. Kappa types, body types might be like bigger framed or really well-developed. Um, they might have to work to keep weight down, like just kind of like bigger, heavier overall, but oh, tend to be really healthy too. They tend to have the least health problems. So there are just like different things you can look at, like physical characteristics or like, um, about your features uh the quizzes will ask you a lot of questions about your digestion so you have to think about like your poop a lot when you're doing the quizzes right. um about like your elimination and digestion and the different heat that you have internally um it has to do with like when you are most active like there's usually a type of time of day that is predominant you know for for people who have different dosha constitutions um so there's lots of different like factors that you can look up um something that is helpful to remember too is like i don't know this is such a like such a me thing to do but like when i found out my constitution is kind of like vata pitta i have a lot of qualities of both i think i'm like maybe a little bit more pitta but i remember thinking like oh that's really cool but then i'm actually like oh this is actually what's like out of balance like this is what you need to work to like balance you know what i mean right <laughs> so there's like good qualities to everything but like finding out what your natural tendencies are toward is a way for you to apply the opposite to kind of like apply something that fortifies your natural tendencies totally right. like I have a lot of Vata energy, which is like, it, Vata is air and ether, and it's associated with like fall, winter time, which is dry and light and cold and mm -hmm. all those things. So like, I tend to have like dry skin and dry hair and 
Um, I remember loving iced coffees and I would drink them like into the cold weather because I just loved the cold. Mm -hmm. And I remember learning about my constitution and I was like, oh no, like not only in our radar, <laughs> are you not supposed to really drink cold drinks a lot in general because it's not so great for the digestion, but like, especially if you have a lot of Vata, especially if you're going into a Vata season of fall and winter. <laughs> and yeah. so like, I remember making the shift to drinking hot water and it was insane how much of a difference <laughs> just that small little understanding and shift made. Um, mm -hmm. in the way I felt all day, I had more energy. Um, I was like, I didn't feel like I wanted to cocoon myself off like I do in the winter a lot. It's interesting how when you add like different elements and so like drinking hot water all winter, I don't know, it was just a really powerful shift, even though my being wanted that iced coffee or for whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool that you like can just learn more about yourself and then feel empowered to make super small changes that have huge effects. There's another um, a quiz that I really like. It's from a book called Eat, Taste, Heal. And mm -hmm. they also have, um, they also have a website, we can, we'll put the link in the show notes for all of the different quizzes. And I think uh, Sahara Rose has one too. Um, but I really love the one from Eat, Taste, Heal, because it like really breaks it down. And it does both your psychological as well as your physical and it makes those separate. So like, love that. Um, figuring out kind of like what like because I have more of a kapha psychological constitution but more of a vata pitta physical constitution yeah. so it's just really interesting to even see like the differences between like your psychological versus your uh physical mm -hmm. so Hallie if somebody is listening to this right now and they're like okay what is what was the first one you introduced us to guyas guas Gunas. Gunas. I'm going to remember it. If Okay. Gunas are super cool. Doshas sound super awesome. Um, but so like why go, go take one of these quizzes and figure out my dosha, right? Like, so what can this do for us and like for our well-being and balance, like on a day-to-day -day basis, our life? Hmm. Huh, I think that, that like it's practical application is like Ayurveda is basically checking your like individual intelligence, your intuition with like this kind of cosmic intelligence happening in the world around you. So when you're coming into more harmony with like the life that's happening around you by coming into more harmony with yourself internally, it's like life is less of a fight, I guess is the, mm. <laughs> is the biggest reason. Um, if you can spend less of your energy fighting dis-ease or imbalance or you know pain then you can spend more time enjoying the more pleasurable components of being human right Absolutely. and like actually getting to extend yourself into your environment in a way that's like really meaningful for you so I think the biggest reason is like wellness and I know gosh when I started learning about this it felt so abstract I was like okay cool great I don't really know what to do with that like whatever um and it does take time for this information to just like really settle in so even if you are listening to this and you're really new to it and it feels like overwhelming just you know kind of take it a little bit at a time and just start to start to first observe what your energy is right so if you can at least name like okay i'm feeling really lethargic right now sure like then you can start to think about ways out of that by knowing that there is an opposite to lethargy it's a little bit of activity um 
Can I share a specific like asana thing that I learned that was kind of cool? Yeah, please. Okay. So do do either of you have like a home practice ever where you're like trying to take yourself through yoga stuff, like yoga poses? Yes. Um, yeah, from time to time. Yeah. Okay. So I remember thinking that was really hard when I started doing it. Like, what do I even do? So there are these ideas, right, of applying applying the opposite. And there's these two um, kind of ideas called Brahmana and Langana. And basically, it is if you're feeling really, for example, anxious or you like had a crazy day at work and you have that momentum, you're just like really crazy. Go, 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 go. Obviously, the best thing to do would be to like relax, but that's like the worst thing to tell someone who's super stressed out is just like relax, you know, like sit down, meditate. <laughs> right. Um, so, this idea of like capturing yourself exactly where you are. So, if you are doing a practice where you're trying to eventually be more relaxed, you might start standing, like you might start really active to mm -hmm. kind of like capture your attention, like move with movement. Okay, fine, you're anxious, great, let's let's do like sun salutation standing like breath right. to movement and then gradually slow it slow down. down yeah yeah like applying the opposite but not all at once or if you're like super you know lethargic or you just like have the blues or whatever the thing you might need to do is like go for a walk but like maybe you can't even get out of bed you know what right. I mean? you have to like okay let's do child's clothes on the floor like let's totally. start as slow mm -hmm. as possible and then like gradually work your way up right like basically just meet yourself where you are Meet yourself yeah. exactly where you are with the intention, like playing the long game, we're eventually sure. going to go toward the opposite space. Um, and I thought that was super helpful, too, because I used to sometimes come home after work and I would just want to relax, but I couldn't even get my head to slow down. Mm -hmm. And doing a practice that starts quick, like maybe with some, you know, breath to movement things, but then ends in like a really juicy Shavasana for like 15 minutes or something like that is helpful, too. Right. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really that. great. So one thing that I really want to ask, which is related to dreams and Ayurveda. So how do our dreams relate to the, like the practice of Ayurveda? My gosh, I thought this was such a cool question and I actually feel kind of bummed, but I don't know anything about dreams and Ayurveda related to each other. Okay. Have has has either of you either of you heard of anything? Well, I remember like hearing that they were related. I just like don't know the details of it. Hmm. So I know um, there's I know something in there. Have you heard anything, Cass? Like very little. Like, are you talking about actual dreams while we're sleeping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I know I've heard that like vata types tend to dream more vividly but like i'm trying to remember yeah or like vata types are more likely to have like flying dreams like i feel like i've heard this huh. somewhere but i don't really like who knows don't quote me i don't know well but, if anybody is listening and really into dreams that's yeah, your homework assignment and let one of us know the answer because we don't know <laughs> we want to know yeah we all want to know um yeah, so, i'm sure there's something in there but yeah. right yeah um, what about like daily, t like Ayurvedic tools that we can use into like yeah. our wellness practices? I think that food is a really great place to start with making small changes in your life because we all have to eat <laughs> no matter what. So something that Ayurveda made me just think about a lot more was the digestive system since it focuses a lot on like 
you know, wellness and like nourishment and, you know, digestion is a really big part of bodily equilibrium. Um, and just this idea that like digestion really starts with chewing and like, so digestive imbalances also kind of start right as soon as you put food in your mouth and that we can create a more favorable situation for like digestion and for absorbing nutrients from our food by like actually tasting your food and like sitting down and chewing your food and Mm. taking the time to like actually focus on it of sitting down for a meal I know I am super guilty of eating like standing a lot like I take the time to like cook myself a meal but then I end up eating it kind of in a rush sometimes because you know right there's this illusion that I'm like so busy I need to get to where I'm going like no girl sit down five minutes (laughs) you have time like it's okay um and just really taking the time for that process and also um I had a teacher once say that it's a really big achievement to learn in your life what it is that you can or cannot digest. And I thought that was really interesting because I know so many people, I feel like everybody I know has like digestive issues and it's, you know, that's a big deal for people. If you have to really be thinking about what you're eating and what's going to make you not feel well. And I think Ayurveda provides a lot of good tools for implementing that. Like, for example, one shift could be learning when it's good to eat like cooked food and when it's better for your body to have like raw food and like when it's good to eat something light or when it's good to fortify with something heavier. Um, I think that um, also like surrendering to the stream of your routine a little bit. I know that Ayurveda Mm. made me feel empowered to really recognize that like my time of day, the time of day that I focus best, for example, for asana, like isn't really in the morning. I used to think that I like had to do that in the morning. Cause that's my, I like had this stereotype that like, okay, if you're good at yoga or whatever, you like get up and meditate really early. <laughs> and like, right. that feels good. It does. But I find that I really benefit from doing asana in the evening time because in the morning I'm really focused and I'd rather do like intellectual work instead of doing that after work. And that was kind of an insight that I realized after looking at like what types of day are really like, like what types of day are really dominant. Like I want to get my activity done in the afternoon and then it's hard for me to focus my mind in the evening, but knowing when to kind of place my activities was, was helpful because you're just harnessing energy that's already happening instead of fighting something that like is (laughs) it right you're ultimately just like getting in the flow right and like I feel like we hear that a lot and I mean we even talk about it a lot but it's hard to kind of imagine that until you start to feel it and then you realize that like just there's less resistance in like everything you do yeah and I think also something you can just do on a day-to-day basis is like taking some control over your environment if possible obviously it's not always possible to like change everything about your external you know, world, but like, this is maybe a silly example, but okay. So we were just talking about if you love like spicy food, like you're kind of a hothead, whatever. I had my walls in my bedroom painted like red, orange, dark, like color. Cause I love <laughs> that fiery color. But then I was like, oh my gosh, it's been this way for a while. And it's just, I don't feel relaxed in my room at all. Mm. And I like painted the walls, this like lighter, really light blue color. It's almost like a white. And it was like very funny. I felt immediately better like coming in and feeling like I could relax like it was kind of common wow. yeah. or um fragrances you know what I mean having just like 
you know, a certain flower, like if you're trying to ground down something like a cinnamon, something really rooted, if you want to cool more of like a floral, you know, for invigorating like a citrus, like you can do little right. things for yourself that are, you know, helping to create small balance. Um, also just like meditation, breathing exercises, um, even like relaxation or play or um, friendship can be like techniques that you apply toward um, creating balance. Sometimes totally. we have dis-ease because we're just cut off from like the natural system of life, which includes like others, <laughs> you know? So just taking care of ourselves and connecting with nature are all things that you can do going for a walk if you're lucky enough to live somewhere that has like a place to go outside um just like being connected with different systems in nature you can do that too during the day yeah i love that you're bringing into like kind of uh thinking about how we like the different elements that we're kind of like bringing in for like everything has a quality, right? Like mm -hmm. the paint on your walls has a quality, the the furniture, the clothing, the the foods, the smells, everything has a, a quality and can either increase or decrease um, the three doshas. And so like just, yeah, having that awareness of like where you're starting and also what's, a, what's around me. I may love the red, but is it increasing something I already have an abundance of? And do I actually need a different element to um bring about a more balanced feeling even if I'm more attracted to this familiar color or whatever I love that because it's it's just like there's so many beautiful ways that we can um, bring in balance in our lives right yeah. and like the whole concept of the fact that it like that's what it comes down to is balance right and like I love mm -hmm. how you mentioned time with others and like playtime and like I know Cassie and I talk about this a lot but like being silly for us is has always been you know I mean we've been friends for I'm uh, almost 20 years now and like that's such a foundation of our friendship and like it still is it feels really really good to be able to like come together and get to do that you know it like actually feels like it's making me like lighter and brighter and like better you know and like yeah. to understand as humans and like all of us that that is actually a piece of our well-being I think is really important especially you know like we've mentioned a couple times in our conversation is like in this western society where everything is go 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 and like people naturally feel a lot of pressure to just like climb their ladders right but like if you come back down to the idea of like well-being and balance and like being able to be your best self like it involves all of those things like rest and time with others and laughter you know mm -hmm. yes definitely all really important stuff right and it's like if we are trying to live in a way that we can have fullness of life like why not have fullness of life like you have to sure. like you said like, those silly moments and really feel that like depth of the experience and I think that's so important I feel like people really do miss out on that so I think my biggest hope with you know kind of trying to introduce this idea of Ayurveda to anyone new is just this sense of like self-curiosity and self-exploration and like what are your tendencies or like how do you feel at this time of mm -hmm. day or what foods are you naturally drawn toward or you know, it's, there's not like wrong or right answers for these things. It's just a noticing so that you can find more harmony. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful because it gets you to kind of tune into um, yourself rather than placing it outside of you. It really tunes you into like what, what for me is balancing or what for me is 
uh, relaxing or um, I don't know. It's really interesting. And I remember just I love I love Ayurveda in the sense that like when I was learning about my uh, constitution, it was helpful in the sense that like I had identified with my imbalanced self, right? Like qualities mm. of my imbalance. And when I learned of, of like the constitution, I was like, oh, that's just an imbalance. So rather yeah, than identifying with identity. that imbalance, <laughs> I can just notice, oh, I'm out of balance. So what do I, what are the things that help to balance me? It's like, oh, maybe some quiet meditation or a walk in nature or um, rather than identifying with like, oh, I'm the anxious mind. It's like, no, I'm a creative mind. And when I'm out of balance, I get anxiety, right? right? Or if I got a type, like I'm a hothead. It's like, no, when I'm out of balance, I, I get hotheaded, but I'm actually a really great leader or like yeah. a kapha type, like, oh, I'm depressed and I'm lethargic. Well, that's out of balance. In balance, I'm right. just like this really stable, solid, amazing person that shows up for my friends and family. Like I'm an anchor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think Ayurveda really asks you like, like we get really attached to our imbalances, right? It's like, oh, well, I have like, I am a hotheader. I have these issues or this is my problem. But I think that we can really say like, oh, well, who am I without my problems? Like when I'm not hiding behind the veil of my imbalance, like what is actually my state of wholeness? You know, I feel like we sometimes spend so much time focusing with what we view as like wrong with ourselves that we forget that we are like, great the way that we are we just need to find ways to soothe ourselves and like yeah find a state of balance totally step into who we actually are yeah like in all of our in our wholeness like you were talking about yeah yeah and I think that like one last kind of point is that like learning about your constitution might let you find support in different ways like if you know that you are tend toward like a more kapha type constitution, but you really want to focus on like meditating, you might do better if you have a little bit of external stimulation or motivation to get into meditation. Like you might do better in a group setting or like going to something that's like a satsang or like having others around. If you want like that external like heat, you need a little bit of that like external motivation or like if you're more of, um, you know, a vata type, and you really want to focus on calming your mind or your nerves or like relieving that inherent tendency that might be toward like fear or anxiety. Um, it's great for like visualizations or doing like mantra or having like a specific type of tool, sometimes like left to the own devices, like the mind wanders a little bit. So that is a good technique. If you find that you are really scattered, like working with one specific method or tool. Um, and then like for more pitta type, people like doing things to release like anger or like to release heat to kind of release the con- the urge to control the outcome of the situation um mm-hmm. they tend to have better like concentration and can focus but need to turn it into something peaceful instead of into another form of achievement basically like need to focus on being cool and relaxed so i think that like knowing how you might naturally approach um you know, a situation or a tool or a technique can be helpful because then you know how to enter into it without agitating your natural tendency. That's such a good point. Oh my gosh. That's my husband's like a Pitta through and through like very classically Pitta. And like he, when he goes in, he, when he was going into like a yoga class, he was like, kind of like 
all in like performance like let me kill this yoga class like you know like compete with myself and like beat my best and so when he was really working on like his own growth like I we were in a yoga class and he took child's pose and I was just like whoa that's so powerful like that's his growth is being able to uh, slow and just be in the moment without like this expectation or I have to like beat my last thing or I have to like give it my all it was like that's his um that's, that's his, his effort balance. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally yeah. Yeah, totally and so it's just like cool to think about that way because our natural tendency might actually like you said aggravate us more mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. not end up serving us but just knowing kind of I don't know. It's just, it's fun to know those things and then experiment with them and see how did I feel when I took this in a different direction that was maybe more pacifying to my constitution. Or just observing within your own self, like, what do I really dislike? Like, that's usually a great place to start. Like, whatever you really aren't into, like, you know, that's a great thing to explore if you're really averse to like, yeah. I was like, well, why? Or if like, you really hate, I don't know, backbends. It's like, okay, let's, let's look at that. You know, it's like a great place to just look inward. And it's like, it's a really fun tool. That's such a good, yeah, that's such a good point to start yeah. with the things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause right, like, I remember right. in Kundalini, you do such a long like integration period because they've, they feel it's very, very like important to the entire practice. Like you do these hard things, but then you also have this like really long savasana. And I remember I have like this vada. I'm like laying down, like, okay, is this this is like a waste of my time kind of thing, uh-huh. or like, or like I don't know. And then I remember eventually like settling into it and starting to value it and really see how beneficial that was to my own integration of the practice. And it wasn't just like oh, this is a waste of my time. I'm going to skip this part and get on to my day. Yeah. Right. I think resistance is usually a good arrow towards like, there's something there you got to look at. Yeah. 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 In in so many different like portions of our life too, like not just in the practice of yoga, but like all over. (laughs) And what is the gift that you get when you push through that uh, discomfort? Like on the other end of it for me is always a gift. Yeah, it's like you can't imagine your life without that breakthrough, but you also remember how close you were to like ditching it, you know? <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah. Those moments are very powerful. So that's a really good point to kind of enter into the resistance. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, once again, Hallie Miraglada. Um, on Instagram, she is at Hallie Yoga, H A L L E Y O G A. Also on just like you have a website, right? That's just yeah. HallieMariglotto.com. Yeah. Perfect. And then don't forget to check out her brand new baby podcast. It's called Home Practice with Hallie, Yoga Tools for Everybody. Um, where can they find that, Hallie? You can find it on a lot of platforms, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast, um, Overcast. It's on a bunch of stuff. So just perfect. Google search or Spotify. Yeah. Great. All the places you can find this podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, cool. Well, thanks again, Hallie. It was so great talking with you. Thank you both. That was really fun. I appreciate it. I can't wait to listen. <laughs> awesome. And have a great rest of your Monday. You too. All right. Thanks, Bye, guys. Nice.